But I was essentially at a point where I'm going to build a business or I'm literally going to die trying, but I will never, ever, ever, ever go get a job in corporate America and succumb to that fate. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Brace for Impact. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Mike Flynn. And if you are just joining us, I interview entrepreneurs and leaders who are using their platform to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. Each guest is part of a series such as leadership, or mindset, and in this case, getting started. So I encourage you to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes because they are a buffet of wisdom and experience waiting for you to tackle. Now, round two of the Getting Started series is with Mike Dillard. And let me tell you, he brings it and provides so much value and wisdom from his real life experiences, it's no joke. Mike is a successful serial entrepreneur and has built multiple eight-figure businesses most of the time by himself as a solo entrepreneur with some outsourced help. His mission is to lead others to their greatness and to create works that change the world for the better and that the greatest achievement in life is to have the ability to create the world around you so that it matches the dreams in your mind. He describes himself as a father, entrepreneur, investor, author, and freedom fighter. In addition to his entrepreneurial pursuits, he is incredibly passionate about motorsports and spends his free time racing in the SCORE and HDRA off-road series. Now, we cover a lot of things in this episode, including understanding, developing, and executing on your skill set and why that is so important. His biggest concern about entrepreneurs today, why mastery is critical to long-term success, and how to handle critics, and so much more. So don't be a podcast junkie. Bust out your pen and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Mike Dillard, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to have you today, and you're going to be included in our series on getting things started in the new year and helping people get off their butts and and take action on the dream that they've been sitting on for years. Awesome. Great to, uh, super glad to be here, Mike. And and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. If you could pick a skill that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? Uh, if I could turn it into a superpower, you know, communication has always been the, the single most important skill that I think people possess. Um, whether that's communicating, um, your idea or your vision, uh, you know, or, or selling your product or service, that to me is really what allows you to, to get results and to take action. So, you know, if I could have a superpower, it would be something along the lines of the communication skills of a Richard Branson or Peter Diamandis, 
where you can take your vision out to the world and attract the right people to it and, and bring it to life. Because I think that's the, the greatest form of leverage, uh, you know, especially if you look at, at Branson, who has 300 companies, none of which he heads. Um, he's gone out and communicated his vision and uh, attracted, you know, 300 CEOs to run those businesses. And it's just awesome. Yeah, communication is definitely a a critical component of any relationship, be it a, a business relationship or a, a personal intimate relationship with your spouse or or best friend. How, what are you doing to develop that skill personally? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably failing a lot and making a ton of mistakes and, and gradually getting better. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, that's, you know, that's it. I've, I've always been very, very good at communicating and writing that. That was the superhuman trick or, or skill that I acquired in my 20s that changed my life uh, when it comes to business. And uh, so it's always very good in writing, but there's always room for improvement, speaking from stage, uh, you know, to groups of people uh, and other formats like that. So we'll get into your writing and that impact moment in a minute. One of the things that I, I was reading when I was preparing for our conversation today uh, was a transcript of one of your podcasts on the Self-Made, Self-Made Man podcast. And I, I loved this quote because it's exactly, it aligns perfectly with what my mission is as well. And it's to lead others to their greatness and to create works that change the world for the better. That was your mission statement. Where did this come from? And have you always had this attitude about human potential and greatness? You know, it's interesting that that specific sentence came as the result of a week with Tony Robbins in Date with Destiny in 2014. And so if you've ever gone through Date with Destiny, you come out the end of that program with a definitive statement for your life. And it could be a sentence, it could be a paragraph. Who knows? But you come out with that kind of clarity, and that is what I wrote down and left with. So before that, my actions uh, backed that up, but it was never defined in, in such a concrete way. But I guess it it's just come from from my personal story. You know, going from waiting tables and one of the least you know intelligent people in school from a grades perspective, right? Not a very good student. Your your typical CB student who's managed to just go out and, and, and kind of bring my dreams to life and, and accomplish what I've accomplished. And so I just approach life with the same uh, attitude uh, when it comes to everybody else. Uh, I really believe that everyone out there is capable of achieving whatever they want in life if they're willing to put in the work. Uh, you know, that's it. And if, if there's, uh, you know, a project that I can put my time and energy and life force into for the next 20 to 30 years uh, that will help others achieve their their greatness, if you will, uh, then great, you know, life well spent. So, yeah, that's where it came from. That's powerful. No, I, I've heard amazing things about uh, Tony Robbins' event, and I saw the uh, the documentary, I'm Not Your Guru, which which I believe is, is uh, a, a, basically a filming of the Date with Destiny. Yeah, event, I was correct? I was there in the crowd for that. Oh wow! Yeah, wow, that was the one cool. I was at. Yeah. Oh wow! We're very. I mean, the the amazing changes and breakthroughs that people had. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's yeah, amazing. Uh, Life changing. Truly amazing. Yeah, Unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you you've talked about Tony. You've talked about Richard Branson. Can you tell us a, a story about a mentor who? you've had in your life who's impacted and shaped your outlook and how you're carrying that forward now? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's just been hundreds, right? 
there's been a, f- a few key times in my life where advice from a mentor has really shaped and changed, you know, my destiny personally and from a business standpoint. Uh, one of the earliest was after failing in the network marketing industry for five or six years in a row, switching, you know, from going from company to company to company and still getting no results. He finally said, Hey, if you want to achieve your goal, and at the time for me, it was my, my lifetime achievement goal was $50,000 in a month. Like if I could make 50 grand a month, I'd be set. And um, it's like, if you want to actually achieve that, you have to become someone who is capable of achieving that result. And you need to stop looking for that to come from something or somewhere outside of yourself, such as a website or product or an opportunity or a sponsor or any, you know, anything else. It has to come from within you and you need to change who you are. Uh, So that really sobered me up and took me uh, down a different path of investing in myself instead of trying to buy success, if you will, in the form of a marketing system or gimmick or book or whatever it may be. So, so that was, you know, probably one of the biggest, most defining piece of advice, pieces of advice from a mentor I ever got. That is game changing. I mean, honestly, I haven't heard something like that specific before. And I think that a lot of people have the wrong idea when it comes to mentorship and what their expectations should be and, and how a mentor can help them. Cause a mentor is not necessarily there to make things easy for them. It's they're there to maybe help guide them around any obstacles or pitfalls along the way. But that's a wake up call. That's powerful. How, how are you carrying that forward today? Uh, you know, sharing, sharing that message whenever I can, but you know, I think a mentor's job is to tell the truth in any, in any circumstance or, or scenario, whether that's good news or bad news or whatever it may be. So, uh, you know, getting to the truth as soon as possible is one of the keys to achieving what you want. And maybe the advice is, Hey, you're screwing up or you're, you're going the wrong direction here. You need to drop this project or, or, you know, be honest with yourself about where you're at and what you want to do, uh, which are the really hard conversations. But that to me is what a mentor is for. So yeah, that's what I've always tried to do in all of my work and and you know, content that I've produced is to get through the bullshit and uh, really get down to the actual truth of the matter because that's the only thing that's going to, you know, bring change to the table and, and allow people to make the right decision. Absolutely. And speaking of change, you've built some amazing businesses over the last 10, 12 years. And, and I know that money is important to you, but it's not the only reason that you do things. It's way more than that, as we were talking about with your mission of, of uh, helping others to receive their greatness and have a game-changing impact in the world. So can you tell us why you're an entrepreneur and share the impact moment that launched you on the trajectory you are now on? <laughs> it's, I'm an entrepreneur because I hate being told what to do, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> if you get right down to it. And, and that was solidified in my brain in high school, actually. Uh, I used to mountain bike race competitively. I won two Texas State Championships a long time ago. So I would train during the weekdays after school, and I would, I would wait tables at the original Macaroni Grill in Bernie, Texas, before it was a chain. Nice. It was just the one single restaurant. It was awesome. And I'd wait tables on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and all of my friends would be going to you know, parties and getting drunk and, you know, having fun. And I worked and I hated the fact that my boss had control over my schedule. You know, hey, there's this big end of the year party that's going on. I haven't been to any all year long. I really want to go and have some form of social life. And yet I've got, I've been booked for a double that day, right? So 
I just got absolutely sick of that once I got a taste of it. And I said, I'm never going to let somebody else control when I have to work, what I can do or how much money I'm going to make. And the interesting part about waiting tables, you know, on the weekends at night is you don't come home until 12 o'clock, one in the morning. And you want to decompress, take a shower and all that stuff. And guess what's on television at one o'clock in the morning? Infomercials. <laughs> um, Tony Robbins, you know, Carlton Sheets and, and uh, all of those guys uh, who are now feeding that disdain that I have for, for having a job even more so and providing some inspiration and, you know, some ideas of how to get out of that. So that's where the seed was planted. And, uh, you know, I started building my first little businesses and playing around with it in college. And, you know, easily by junior year in college, there was no doubt I, w- I was skipping all of my classes. I was spending all day at the local Barnes and Nobles in the business section, uh, drinking coffee and just reading business books. And then I would go to a cram class the day before, two days before the test, pay my 50 bucks for, for last year's, you know, tests and pass with a C. And that's essentially how I went through college for five years. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of when it started. Yeah. So you had this experience waiting tables and, and being disgruntled and, and kind of feeling stuck yourself and wanting this autonomy, which is a, a definite important trait that is universal among all entrepreneurs. Uh, how long was it between the time that you realized that you you were going to be autonomous and do your own thing and and then when you launched your first business? Uh, well, you know, I launched my first business. You know, I started the network marketing industry in college. So at that point, I had the bug. This is in the late 90s, 98, 99, 2000. Web 1.0, no YouTube, no video, no social media, none of that. It was like if you saw a video anywhere on the web, it was like, oh, my God, there's a video on the web. <laughs> and so, you know, I saw the opportunity. I liked the idea and the concept of that industry. But I very soon realized that I was not built for it. And in that world, especially, you know, pre-Google AdWords and all of that other stuff, it's called network marketing for a reason. You know, talking to your friends and family, having a party at your house, whatever it may be. It's a very people-centric business model, which I didn't know at the time, but I am not. I am, I am a 10 out of 10 introvert. And yet, if I wanted to have the success that my sponsors were having, my upline was having, I was like, well, I've got to do what they're, they're doing. And so I'd attempt to do that, and I hated every single minute of it, and I failed every in every single way. But I kept slugging through it, slugging through it. Three, four, five years go by, and then I don't know where it was. It came from or how it was inspired, but I discovered direct response marketing. It was around that time Corey Rudel had launched his very first ebook. Um, so an ebook had officially become a thing around then, and I found Dan Kennedy's work. And all of a sudden, I was like, huh, interesting. I can learn how to actually write a sales presentation, as, you know, a letter, essentially a website online, or record a script to have on a conference call that would do all of the telling and selling for me. And all I would have to do at the end is take the order. And so I discovered this magical skill of copywriting and decided to write uh, you know, a letter that I put on a website, very, very basic, it's probably 20 or 30 pages long that went through and it sold the network marketing opportunity from beginning to end. Uh, and it worked, lo and behold. So that really put a, a light bulb in my head. But what it had done in retrospect is it had, it had finally aligned with 
how my brain works and what my skill set was. Instead of swimming upstream, I was now swimming downstream. And so that changed everything. And within 18 months, I went from waiting tables at a PF Chang's at that time uh, to making my first million dollars. So, you know, the big epiphany and the big change of pace there was acquiring a skill set that was in line with how my brain was wired. Um, and uh, so that was that was it. And yeah, I mean, that was kind of kind of the beginning of everything that, that changed and, and the rest is history. Well, you know, way back in, I believe it was episode four or five of my show, there was this guy named Daniel Harkavy who is the uh, founder of a coaching organization called Building Champions. Mm. And we talked about this moment that you had. And it's this moment where your passion and opportunity and skill set all align and you're able to to move forward and it's just a unique you know some people refer to it as the aha moment but one of the things that holds people back from taking action is they might be passionate about something and they might have an opportunity but they don't possess this the skill set and you 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 didn't necessarily know that you were passionate about what you're doing, but you saw the opportunity and what you did was you, you went and you, you invested in yourself and you invested in the resources that Dan Kennedy, who's the ultimate sales letter guru, you know, built out for you and you developed your skill. And like you said, the rest is history. 18 months later, you make your first million dollars. And now to date, you have like five, eight figure businesses or something like that. And you're, you're working on another hundred million dollar business. Well, you know, what I would, what I didn't know now, what I would recommend for everybody, it would have saved me, you know, many, many years of, of hardship is go figure out how you were manufactured. Meaning go take your Myers-Briggs test, figure out your personality type, take your Colby score, take your disc test and figure out how you are built. And then once you have that information, you're like, okay, well, now I can apply this to whatever I'm passionate about, but I can execute in a way that is aligned with how my brain is wired. You know, if it were, if I were forced to participate in the internet marketing industry uh, by SEO optimization or by doing, you know, Google AdWords or Facebook or anything analytical, I would absolutely hate it even though it's in the same industry, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so figuring that out is, is the, the real key here. Um, I built two, two uh, multiple eight-figure businesses, and, and it's, it's just executing on that skill set, which for me has been writing. It's kind of like Tim Ferriss, right? Tim, in one of his podcasts or blog posts or whatever, uh, surrendered to the fact that he has no desire and, and is never going to you know, build a 50, 100-person company. He realized what he's good at, what his stupid human trick is, and he's gone all in on that. Mm-hmm. And so it's having that moment for yourself and, and figuring out what that is, I think, is the key to, to what you were just talking about uh, a minute ago. I think the Kathy Colby Index is, is one of the most underutilized uh, tools out there. And we'll link to the Colby Index in, in the show notes. But what are your, uh, what's your scores? Do you know where you are? Yeah, I'm a five four eight four, meaning uh, I am accommodative in every category except quick start, which I'm an eight, and that's usually you know, very typical for an entrepreneur. All all entrepreneurs are usually eight, nine, or ten on the quick start level. The accommodative is pretty rare skill set because it allows me to get anything done that I need to get done. It it means that 
I may not enjoy it, but I'll get it done. And that if you look at me and my businesses, it's typically been myself with a few outsourced resources have grown those multiple eight figure companies. Um, just because I'll figure out what I need to do next and I'll either go find someone to do it or I'll get it done myself. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's yeah, how I'm wired. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much right around that, that same score myself I, with some variations. I actually don't know my, my numbers right off the top, but I am a, an eight on quick start and I'm a, I'm a five on uh, the first one. That's I'm, I see the the uh, graph in my mind, but I'll uh, I'll post mine on on the show notes and so everybody can see where I'm at and, and do a comparison. You know, as I was mentioning earlier, we're gonna you're gonna be included in the getting started series, and before we enter into that specific kind of advice um, segment, can you talk about? something that you wrote about the recipe for an entrepreneur, the vision, the boldness, the tenacity, the stubbornness, and the ingenuity, and why all of those components are key ingredients to an entrepreneur's success? Well, you know, I'm of the opinion, and this is based on my personal experience, but also what I've observed through others, that entrepreneurs are born out of pain and adversity. I have yet to meet an entrepreneur who was like, yeah, life was good, I had a great job, but I got kind of bored, so I decided to start a business. I haven't, I haven't come across that. So, you know, that really is, it's, it's your, your current situation is so painful that you're essentially willing to do anything to get out of it. And that's what fuels, uh, someone to go make the sacrifices required to fail and fail and fail and then make a little win and then fail five more times for, for years until they figure out how to reinvent their lives and, and master a new skill set, which then allows them to, to execute on a business idea. So, uh, you know, that's why not everybody's an entrepreneur. I think, I think there's around five to 10% of the population who, um, are wired that way or who are willing to, to make that kind of sacrifice. And, and not everybody is cut out for this line of work. That's for sure. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. I think that people think they, they see where you are now, right? They see where you are now with the success of your businesses and they see where Cameron Harold is now and they see where, you know, uh, Richard Branson is now or Tony Robbins is now. You can name any successful entrepreneur and people look at them and they see them where they are now, but they don't see the suffering, the pain, the adversity, the setbacks, the the tears and the sweat and the work that went into getting to where people are. And, and I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, people go into entrepreneurship the wrong way. And it's, it's something that people wake up to really quickly because they, they say, oh, I'm passionate about this, but they don't really understand what the word passion actually means. The word passion actually literally means being willing to suffer for something. 
And so I love what, how you said it. I mean, you've, you've got to be willing to, to take those hits and to keep getting back up and moving forward. And if you're not willing to suffer for something, then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. I, you know, when I was right, when I graduated college, I packed up everything that I owned into my little Chevy pickup truck. And I drove to California to meet with a mentor who I had never met in person at the time. I didn't even know what he looked like. You know, again, this is, this is before Skype and, and, and uh, we were using flip phones. Right. So, but he was earning the kind of money that I wanted to make. And I was like, I'm just going to drive out there and, and learn from you in whatever capacity that I can. And he lived in San Diego and I got, you know, I got there with no place to live. You know, this is before Google Maps. So I'm driving to California with a paper map. <laughs> I quickly realized that I don't have any money. I don't have enough money to, to get an apartment in San Diego once I saw what the rent was. So I ended up moving into a $300 a month apartment in Temecula, California. Um, and that was September 10th, 2001. So the next morning, my phone rings wow. and it's my mom because, you know, New York is under attack, basically. All of the business plans that we had had went out the window the very first day because nobody wanted to hear about a business opportunity or buy a product or service the next day. In fact, they didn't want to do it for months, right? So got a job at Best Buy selling computers, my first sales job ever, but I liked computers. I'd built my own little, you know, 286, 386 machines. So I knew about them and, and was working. I think I was getting paid eight bucks an hour which was not enough to pay my bills and rent and, and everything else. Uh, but I was essentially at a point where I'm going to build a business or I'm literally going to die trying, but I will never, ever, ever, ever go get a job in corporate America and succumb to that fate. So for me, the level of desire was 10 out of 10. It was either I'm going to succeed no matter how long it takes or I will die trying. You know, and I was making contingency plans. If I couldn't pay my $300 rent, well, where could I move into an air conditioned storage unit and then join, you know, get a gym membership for 30 bucks a month and shower there every day? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what's required. And it's interesting. My biggest concern these days with the younger generation of entrepreneurs out there, specifically right out of college, you know, 20 to 25, is I'm afraid that they're not going to understand the amount of depth uh, that is required for mastery. Because now we live in an Instagram, Facebook world where entrepreneurship looks like the process of, you know, posting inspirational quote cards every day. Mm -hmm. And it's not reading a thousand page book and then going to a $3,000 conference and then reading 10 more books. It's like, well, I watched Gary Vee, you know, for 10 minutes today and I saw three inspirational quote cards and I'm good. Um, right. So, so, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens if when people realize, okay, there's, there's a hell of a lot more required here from a depth perspective, you know, with this new generation and how they operate. It's like, you, yeah. Totally. I mean, I'd love to dive in a little bit more into that because, you know, there's this massive disconnect between expectations and reality with a lot of entrepreneurs these, day, these days and the bridge between expect expectations and reality is preparation and work and and mastery and you as you were talking about earlier you launched your entrepreneurial journey in the web.10 uh, 1.0 era and you know the 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 threshold to entry the barrier to entry today is so much lower you know it's it's could some think it's the best time to start a business other people think it's the the worst time because of the very reason that that you just mentioned. So 
let's talk about mastery and how entrepreneurs should approach starting something, keeping mastery at the forefront of, of the idea. So you've got an entrepreneur, you've got Mike, he wakes up one morning, he realizes he has a passion, something that he's willing to suffer for. He goes and he finds out how he's manufactured, what makes him tick, how he should uh, understand his brain and approach life. What's next? What's the next best step that someone should take to get something off the ground and make sure that they're mastering it along the way? Well, I, you know, I think it's as simple as putting the phone down. You're not going to get the kind of depth of education that you need on a cell phone. It's not going to happen. So put the phone down is number one. Turn the computer off is, is for the most part, number two. Uh, and start reading books for two to three hours a day. You know, I to learn copywriting, I, I read my books on it. And then I would find a winning successful sales letter that I know converted and that was doing very well by anyone else, didn't matter who or what industry. And I would copy that out by hand every night for an hour. You know, and again, I did that for over a year. And that's how I internalized the structure and the pacing and the language patterns of the best copywriters in the world. And then acquired that. It's kind of like playing a musical instrument or guitar, piano, uh, you know, the song and, and learning the, the music structure there. It's kind of like talking to... It's like when you talk to someone from out of a country and, and within five minutes, all of a sudden you accidentally find yourself speaking with their accent. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing where I was learning how they wrote and how they thought in their psychology process through osmosis, if you will. But can't do that on a cell phone. So, you know, for me, that's number one. All of us, everybody I know in my industry, you know, from my era, all have massive, massive libraries with hundreds of books and courses. And I go to the internet these days to, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to learn specific skill sets. So it's not about going to YouTube and watching a video. It's about going to like a Creative Live or Udemy or Skillshare and going through a course on maybe web design or, you know, video editing or whatever it may be. That's 20, 30, 40 hours long and then executing on what you learn. So, you know, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. If you're just sitting here in learning mode, you're doing absolutely nothing. The biggest uh, moment of learning you're going to have or understanding is by actually doing something and failing at it or succeeding. So uh, that would be, I mean, just my biggest piece of advice is put the phone down, get into something really deep, start taking action on it, see what happens, figure it out, do it again, uh, and do that for a couple of years. So as you're talking about getting deep into something, you know, Cal Newport talks, talks about deep work. I'm not sure if you've read his book, but how how are you approaching that now? I mean, you, you know, for all intents and purposes, you've quote unquote made it, but you're not satisfied. You're still working. You're still developing, improving your own skills. How do you continue to master your talents and your superpowers right now? You know, you've got, you're going to find what your core skill is at some point. And mine was, was copywriting and marketing. So I, I just continue to apply that in, in different ventures that interest me or, or to solve different problems uh, for other people that interest me. So I really have been doing the same thing for 10 years and just applying it to a different, a different industry or category or whatever it is that I'm passionate about at the time. So, you know, the one, the one way that I ventured out of this in the last two years is on the, the hydroponic side. And I saw an opportunity and, and I have a passion for clean food. And I wanted to build a product that you would have in your home that would uh, grow all of your organic produce for you automatically. And I know that I can sell it. 
Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, I can sell a lot of it because it's, uh, there's a need for it. There's a de- desire for it. Uh, but what I don't know anything about is hardware development, uh, manufacturing, you know, technology. Uh, I don't know anything about botany. I don't know anything about horticulture. I don't know how to grow uh, you know, plants. And yet here I am. I'm, my, my goal is to revolutionize the, the agricultural industry. So, <laughs> so I started that two years ago and, you know, we've, uh, we've gotten to our first prototype a couple of months ago, which is sitting right here in my living room right now. You know, we've been doing time-lapse grows and, and all of that stuff with it, but it's been uh, unbelievably difficult and I've, you know, put well over a million dollars into it. And, and, uh, it's been some very, very expensive lessons learned. And my hindsight now is, is that it's it's good it's good for you because it challenges you and it forces you to grow to take your skill set and apply it to a new way in a new way or a new industry with one degree of separation meaning i could have taken my skill set and applied it to a physical product that was still within my industry or an example of that maybe i want to take my skill set and apply it to a software platform and develop software for the first time that would serve my industry that would be a good idea what would not be a good idea is to go develop software for the very first time in a completely different industry, like let's just say car sales that I know nothing about. So in my case, it was go design a hardware product, which I've never done before for an industry that I had no you know, uh, <laughs> information on or experience in. And so I've really hit myself from a development standpoint in a, in a big way. And I know once the product is done, well, then it comes back into my sweet spot and it'll be great. But as of right now, I'm in completely foreign territory and I'm paying a very high, uh, what I call stupid tax. So this is the tax you pay for your ignorance around a subject matter. And you're going to pay something when it comes to your business. You're either going to pay a stupid tax and mistakes made because of your ignorance, or you're going to pay for coaching, mentoring, information, or knowledge in the form of books, courses, events, coaching, consulting, or whatever to get that knowledge. Either way, you're going to pay the price. You just have to figure out which one you want to pay. And and the second one is definitely less expensive than the first. So, you know, for me, I've had to learn, you know, a lot of lessons the hard way when it comes to to this new world, you know, but it is what it is. So, <laughs> so, so you've got this, you know, this experience that's in your wheelhouse with regard to launching all of your informational products and the game changers there. And then you have the same passion and, and approach the opportunity with the hydroponics at the, with the same level of, of zeal, but you don't necessarily possess the skill set. So in hindsight, would you say that like you wouldn't do it again if you were, if you had to do it over again uh, or, or are you, or would you just approach it a different way? Uh, I would definitely approach it a different way because I just didn't know enough about manufacturing. Instead of focusing on just getting the product developed, I would have focused on getting the right people on the team first. Uh, you know, in this case, I outsourced you know the design to a fantastic industrial design firm in Silicon Valley. Um, but I don't know enough about industrial design to know whether or not they're doing a great job or whether or not I'm overpaying or whether or not it's taking too long or, or not. I just have to take their word for it, right? So I'm at a very vulnerable position as far as that goes. I didn't know what's really involved in manufacturing. So I had no idea that, you know, the, to create the tools for the production line was going to cost 800 grand, you know? So, so forming out and flushing out 
a complete business model and having a full-time industrial design engineer on the team internally instead of outsourcing it would have been one thing I'd, I'd done differently. Having a full-time botanist or you know, ag uh, engineer on the team full-time to consult when it comes to you know the plants and the approach and the design of the system would have been something that I had done or, or should have done. And then flushing out with a mentor or a coach a complete business model before I even wrote the first check on everything that would be involved. Hey, what do we think these things are going to weigh? How big do we think they are, they're going to be? How are they going to be shipped? What's that going to cost? What's the tooling going to cost? And, and all of that stuff, you know, I've been figuring out along the way and I should have done it at the very beginning because, you know, now it's, you know, three to four X the cost and the price uh, of what I originally uh, estimated it would be. So, so how are you taking these lessons that you've learned in this experience and applying them in your, in your other businesses moving forward? Uh, well, you know, right now I, I don't think I'm applying them at all. I'm still going through them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Those, the ones I just shared with you are the ones that I've I've had some clarity around and, and I know what I would do next time and how I would do it, do it differently. But as far as right now goes, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of it and, and um, just, you know, am where I am and have to deal with it that way. So I think it's incredible advice though. I mean, you know, unfortunately you're going through it and, and there will be uh, amazing lessons that you'll be able to apply in the future in, in all of your other business endeavors. My previous, uh, one of my previous guests, a guy named Dr. Jim Affermal, who's a sports psychologist, talked about how there's no pure losing in the pursuit of greatness. So, so there's always lessons that can be learned and and applied toward continuing your your mission to have a game changing impact in the lives of others. But you know, getting back to launching something and getting something started and off the ground, there's a whole process that that people need to follow and measure, especially in the, in the beginning. So what are some of the most important things for entrepreneurs to measure in the first, say, 30, 60, or 90 days of getting something off the ground? Or, or are those even the right timeframes? Well, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure I'm, I'm understanding. So you mean measure by what? So what, what are the, the, in terms of measure if, if their venture is gaining ground. I mean, you took, you made, you know, your first million dollars in 18 months. You just had the, the founder of casper.com on, on, on the phone and they're a hundred million dollar business in 12 months. I mean, those are crazy examples, but nevertheless, it's something that every entrepreneur aspires to do. So what are, what are some key metrics that people should should be monitoring early on in their in their launch and how frequently should they measure them you know i don't i don't know if that's necessarily something i'd recommend uh it depends on where where you're at it depends on if this is you're trying to have your make your first dollar if you're trying to make your first sale in a business you know that's one thing if you're launching you're, you're an experienced entrepreneur and you're launching a venture in a new industry that's a completely completely different thing so if you're just starting out and you're trying to make your first sale you know, I wouldn't be judging yourself in any any way against any metric or expectation whatsoever, other than the fact, you know, hey, are you waking up every day and putting two to three hours towards your business, or however, however much time you can spare? That to me is the only metric that matters. Is are you putting in the time and work, or are you just wishing and hoping that someday a magical business will show up and you'll be successful? So, 
you know, that to me is it, is how much action you're taking on a daily basis. And then on the, on the flip side, you know, from a marketing or a launch standpoint or whatever, it, again, what matters is your ability to, to execute on a campaign. So I'm not really looking at, at numbers or metrics, you know, necessarily. That's just to me feedback on how effective I am at a particular skill set. So it's just a different world. It's, it's just a gradual process, right? Like this is a process. It's not an event. And everybody's just got to kind of start and go at their same pace. I think, you know, the most important thing is, did you make a sale today? You know, if you didn't, great. That's what you need to fix. If you get to a point where you're making one sale tomorrow, go, let's try and make two sales. You know, so I don't know. I'm just not a, not a, a big person on, uh, you know, setting that kind of expectation unless I'm, unless I'm taking the question wrong. So, well, no, I, th- I think you, I think you are. I mean, it's, it's, it's your own spin on it, but like, for example, you look at, you're tracking your sales and, and you're either making sales or you're not making sales and you're, you're getting f- that feedback. So let's talk about that feedback for a second. How, how should entrepreneurs take negative feedback and pivot? What should they be? What's the recipe to, to flipping the switch on something that's not working and getting it to work? Uh, yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. Um, and it's, and it's hard to say, you know, I, one of the hardest things every entrepreneur will have to go through these days is learning how to take criticism, uh, and receive it online because the moment you get online, it's just, you're surrounded by assholes, frankly. So, <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, my, my very first ebook that I wrote 10 years ago, uh, changed the network marketing industry. It's kind of what put me on the map. It, it introduced that world to you know, what I discovered worked really well, direct response, internet marketing applied to that industry for the very first time. And so, uh, I've sold hundreds of thousands of copies of that book. I I used to print them myself. I finally put it on Amazon about a year ago and the feedback was just life changing for thousands of people. Uh, and yet you'll still get emails and letters saying that you're a jackass and that your book sucks, right? So, uh, learning how to deal with that because whatever you produce is personal to you. It's your baby. It's like you created it. And so to have someone come and, and insult it is, uh, doesn't feel very good. And so uh, getting used to that uh, is going to be a lesson that, again, everyone's going to have to go through because it doesn't matter who you are, how great your product is, you're going to get people who dump on it uh, and who dump on you. So Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's like I, I think there's a book. I haven't read it, but I think it's called Hug Your Haters. Yeah. And I mean, it's basically, you know, if once you have haters, you've kind of arrived, you know, I mean, you, you, it's a great you're on the map. spin on it. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to spin it. And it, uh, you know, it, <laughs> it still, still sucks, doesn't though. feel good. And yeah, so, you know, the, the question number one, don't, uh, I mean, point number one, don't take it personally. You know, when I was first getting started, I'd respond and I'd give them a piece of my mind. There's no win at the end of the day by doing that. All you're doing is increasing risk for yourself. So get really comfortable with the delete and ban buttons. You know, I get criticism every single day on, on my Facebook ads. I get positive stuff every single day on my Facebook ads. And the, the criticism is uh, ironically from people who've never bothered to actually consume the content that I was promoting or advertising. They just come up with a blanket judgment or whatever it is that they, that they have. So I just instant ban. If someone brings negativity in my life, boom, banned, gone, disappeared. And it's fantastic. Like I never have to hear from them or see from them again. So just learning how to approach that's been really important. And, and in fact, the biggest lesson that I've ever taken away from any of Gary Vaynerchuk's stuff is his approach to people. He genuinely loves people and he doesn't ban anyone. 
It never has. And he, you know, if, if when he receives criticism, he's just like, hey, cool, man. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'll try to do better. He has changed and flipped so many people to his side because he was just, you know, open and cool about it, right? He just, you know, they've got something going on in their life I don't know about, whatever it may be. I'm just going to take a default stance of being accepting uh, and, and giving and loving towards everybody. And he's done just done that in a, a really spectacular way that I'm, you know, I envy and, and that's a real talent for, of his, but it's a, a great approach to model for sure. Yeah, he's definitely one of the most authentic and real people um, out there in the entrepreneurial world for sure. If there's one thing, if there's only one thing that you would want people to remember from our conversation today, what might that be? Master skill set. You know, whenever somebody asks me, hey, Mike, how do you, how do you achieve success? How do you do what you do? Uh, at the end of the day, that is the only thing that matters. And that's what changed my life is I stopped looking for success to come from something outside of myself. And I decided to uh, become more valuable to other people by acquiring a really valuable skill set. And once you have that, you're now empowered to do something, to take action, to get a result, which builds your confidence, which builds your value to other people, which builds your, you know, your opportunities and your ability to execute on those opportunities. So figure out what you want your skill set to be. Spend the next two, three, four, five years mastering that skill set. Ignore everything else. Turn everything else off until you can literally write a book about it or produce a course on it or build a company around it. You know, that's it. That's the key to, to changing everything. Wow. That's really, that's, I love it. I love it. And I hate it at the same time because it's so contrarian to what, you know, most of the quote unquote gurus say today, you know, I mean, you, you know, I, I do believe that it, it takes four or five, 10 years to, to get to where things need to be in order to really have a successful brand, a successful company. But, you know, today's world says, you know, start a website and, and start a blog and suddenly you'll have a million people on your, your email list. And that's just not the case. It's, it's not the case at all. So I think that that is incredibly valuable advice. How will Mike Dillard measure his life at the end of the day? Mm, yeah, that's a good one. It's, you know, it's something I've been thinking a lot about. I'm 39. I'll be 40 this year. So I've been doing this literally for 20 years now. And it's just unbelievable how fast the time has gone by. And it's, uh, it's a really good question. I have, I have measuring sticks right now uh, in a few different categories. One, you know, how big of an impact did I make? How many people did I help? Uh, and then two, you know, from a financial perspective, did I meet my financial goals? Did I achieve the the kind of financial success that I've, you know, that I want uh, to do the things that I want to do, build what I want to build, create the kind of financial legacy and security, you know, for for my my family moving forward that I envision for myself and, and for them. Yeah, I mean, so those are the two that I think about, you know, quite often right now, but I think that constantly changes. I think every five to 10 years, you have more life experience, priorities change, and your measuring sticks change. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that uh, question came from the title of a book, which is How Will You Measure Your Life by uh, Clay Christensen yeah. of uh, Harvard. I'm not sure if you've... He, he wrote a great book called The Innovator's Dilemma back in the 90s, but mm. um, this is another great book of his. Cool. Well, Mike, I want to uh, really say I appreciate your authenticity and vulnerability on the show today. It was very powerful. I think it's going to be an incredible episode uh, for people to, to learn from and and take a lot of this information and begin to apply it in their daily lives. So I, I really appreciate you and 
wish you in advance an amazing 40th birthday. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on the show. Great questions. And, uh, and thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. Mike, thank you for being authentic and for freely sharing your experience and mission with us today. Powerful stuff. And I hope listeners take your thoughts on mastery and skill set to heart. I know I certainly will. If you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 42. And you can find all the key points and highlights of our conversation there, as well as a link to the Huffington Post article I wrote about Mike and his business pursuits. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Lawton Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. I couldn't do the show without their support and encouragement. Until next time, go make an impact.